All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Wally and Mathot Show Live. Now, here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wally and Mathot Show Live. I'm Brent Wallace. He's Mark Mathot. Uh, this show brought to you by sportsinteraction.com. Meth, um, how's the back? As we always seem to update your health conditions every time we begin a show. Um, <laughs> that doesn't look well, good. Not very good today, Wally. Uh, thank you for asking. Uh, a lot of uh, muscle relaxers and Advil and exercises. Okay. Um, well, if you need to leave, I will tell the, everybody the chat is open, so you may have to start throwing in questions for our guest today, uh, and we'll fill in for Matt <laughs> if he's gone. All right? Uh, as always, the Wally Mathot Show brought to you by sportsinteraction.com. Go to sportsinteraction.com slash Wally Mathot for the most competitive live daily odds. Uh, sports Interaction is Canada's leading sportsbook. Uh, sign up today, get a 100% welcome bonus up to 500 bucks on either the sportsbook or the casino side. Um, and Matt, uh, in case you're struggling, we're going to get right to our guest today. And that's brought to you, as always, by uh, Whitewater, the cool, refreshing taste of Whitewater beer. Uh, try the tasty new flavor of Kiwi Lime Sour. You get it at the LCBO, but save 15%. Go order it online at shopwhitewater.ca. Use the wham-funky-fresh code and redeem it for uh, anything, actually, at the Whitewater shop. Whitewater brewed by friends, for friends, the official beer of the Hockey Hall of Fame. And now for our guest, by the way, it is episode 99, and so we wanted to bring on Wayne Gretzky, but we couldn't. <laughs> so instead, we got a guy who played for Wayne Gretzky, and that is Mike Johnson from TSN. Sir, uh, welcome to the show. 
Yeah, a very close second place to Wayne. I can come on and tell you Wayne's stories about him as a coach <laughs> or when he played with me. I'll tell you, before we get going, Matt, I'll get into your back in a second. But here's my first Wayne story for the day, all right? So I'm playing in Arizona. It's like, oh, two, oh, three or something. It's training camp. And Gretz used to come around occasionally. This is before he was the coach. He was like the managing partner or something. And he'd, put, he'd bring his gear on the road. He'd go out there and play like after practice, three on three. Or, you know, see so have slap shots from the hash marks, hit goalies in the head and think nothing of it. And so also we get to training camp in like 03, I think the year before lockout. And like, he's like doing practices. We're like, okay. I mean, you know, it's Wayne Gretzky. He can do whatever he wants. It's his team. So we're like <laughs> delighted to have him on two on ones with Gretz. Who cares? And all of a sudden we come to our, whatever it's called, red and white game. And he's playing in the game. Like, it's the game with people trying to make the team. And he's playing with like Claude Lemieux and Landon Wilson, two guys that are on the team. Like he's not playing. And we're all kind of scratching our head, like, is he coming back? What is what is happening right now? And so apparently, he was thinking about making a comeback, and he was like kind of gauging his health and his fitness and his back's health and how it would make and how it would deal with it. So we're playing the red white inner squad game, and he's crisscrossing it with Landon Wilson. Willie was like a two hundred forty pound big guy on the same team, and they ran into each other. That was the last we ever saw Gretz in a uniform, <laughs> ever. He, he never came back on the ice and equipment again. He's like, he, went, he was in traction for like two weeks because his back was so messed up from bumping into his own guys. So um, oh, that's, that's my awesome. Wayne Gretzky and my Mark Mathot bass story. And one other one, Matt, I don't know what's wrong with your back, but we've all kind of dealt with it. I was going through the playoffs one year, calling playoff games. And my back, whatever, SI joints, twi- like, I'm like, I'm all you know, bent out of shape. And I couldn't yep. sit. I couldn't sit down. And I would call games like, on my knees with my hands up on the desk because I couldn't bend at my waist. And in between periods, I remember in San Jose, I was doing the playoffs and I would have to lie on the ground to try to alleviate the pain from trying, and I'm trying to call some double overtime game. So it sucks when you got a bad back. It's the worst. So I hope you get better. Yep. Yeah. Thanks brother. I thought, I thought you were going to say that was the last we saw of Landon Wilson. Cause that would have been the best part. Well, like we and we of course were teasing him about that. Like Willie, I mean, just punch your ticket to Springfield, wherever the hell the minor league team was. But um, like, but the best part about the scrimmage is prior to getting hurt, I think he had three assists, but he was yeah. on for five goals against. Like he couldn't he, he couldn't stop anyone, but no one was gonna get near him. But he was throwing, and like you watch him play, and this is the brilliance of Gretz. I mean, this is obviously Gretz, four years removed from retiring. And, and like he throws, like he go around the net and he throws like a junky, wobbly muffin, like back up the creek, up the slot. You're like, that's the worst pass I've ever seen. And it would bounce over someone's stick and land right on his guy's tape. Like, like time and again, you're like, <laughs> I don't even know if that's a good pass. It just seems so lucky every single time. But he was, he was money still four years later. He was awesome. Pass how is block. he, Johnny, how is he moving? Was his movement okay? It was, it was okay. Well, not great. Not great. Okay. I mean, he's obviously dealing with the yeah. back thing. He, he was in decent shape, like physically, like, you know, he, he wasn't overweight or anything like that. Um, he could still turn. He just couldn't go fast. You know what I mean? Like he would still stop and turn yeah. and pivot. But of course, we're also unaware of this thinking this, like, we don't even know he's trying to make the team. Like, we just think our owner is playing with us. So like, no one's really <laughs> checking him that hard because why would you? Um, so I don't know if we like, if I could have caught him, if I, I'm like, whatever, I guess I'll just let you go and you can have it. But, um, That's great. but he was, he could turn still and, and he couldn't shoot. Like I have a bad shot, admittedly on record, terrible shot in the NHL, 
but his was <laughs> awful. But he, all he wanted to take was slappers. And so we'd be doing like a warm-up drill, like, you know, like whatever, you know, down three lines down. And he would take it all the way to the hash marks. And every single one, every single one, he would not shoot anywhere. But, and like, I remember poor Zach Burke, who's the, who's the goalie coach now for Ottawa. And, yep. and Zach would go down there and he would get, just get pinged one after another. And like, you know, when Matt, when you hit someone up high, you like, you go tap his pad. Sorry about that. Yes. The next 10 are going to go at his ankles. Not the case. Gretz is in the corner laughing. He's like, that's what you got the gear on for. Next one's coming up top too. And he would every single time. Uh, Gretz was awesome having him around. Like whether it's a coach, owner, it was great having him around. That's great. Yeah, you know, uh, you don't hear Gretzky stories ever. Like, well, at least you hear a ton of them, but not personal ones like that. So that was great. Well, yeah, I'd well say, guys don't like best, to talk. Uh, well, yeah, the thing, right? right? You don't want to like... talk out of school about Gretz. Yeah. Yeah. So, did he but, ever chirp you as a coach? God, yeah. God, yeah. Like, so, <laughs> I remember I, my, my second game there, I separated my shoulder. So, I, 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 I was not playing for, like, two weeks. So, Gretz was the fifth-line centerman, maybe the sixth line. It was me, Sweet Lou DeBrusque, and Gretz were the sixth line in practice <laughs> as we were trying to get Pally healthy. And Gretz would, like, throw it over to Lou and be like, and then Lou would go and whatever, do whatever he does with it. And Gretz would be like, listen, Louie, if I give you the puck, that's on me. That's a bad decision by me. And Louie's just like, ah, man. So, like, I mean, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? Or the, the all-time one, and this is, like, very relatable that everyone would think. So, we're doing – he's our coach at this point. Our goalie coach is Grant Fuhr. Our power play coach is Paul Coffey. Our assistant coach is Rick Talkin'. Like, we got, like, a Hall of Fame player group of coaches. So, we're having just a light, loose skate. And they're like, they're barely on the ice. I don't know what they're doing the night before, but they're like, just kind of like, whatever, just stretching it out. So like, all right, guys, three on ones until we score eight goals, which for the Oilers would mean eight times, right? But we, so we start going and Matt, you can appreciate the defensive side of this too. So like the defensemen start trying to just screw the, like they're just trying to kill the forwards, like trying to make us look as bad as possible. And after sure. like 15 or 20, it becomes a thing like, God. Like, how long can they possibly go? And we're on the bench. You go down three on one to the bench. Pick it up four lines later, down three on one. And we come back to yep. the bench, and Gretz would be sitting there with cough in the corner. It's like, can, can, can you believe this? Can, like, what the what the hell is this? What can you? And we're just like, we're right here, Wayne. Like, we can hear you. And like, it's just, but what are you going to say? Because this world, that's not how things work. Yeah. Wow. So good. Um, before we move on to the Sens, and we'll just tie it in with Phoenix right now, uh, your, what are your thoughts on them playing in a 5,000-seat arena? Hmm. So, I, I mean, it's, it's a bad look because it's the NHL. There's something grand about the NHL, something big. I mean, you step on the ice, it feels big and important, and there's a big stadium and, and lots of people. And I get there's not a lot of people out there. And I trust me, I get the financial implications of playing in Glendale, the lease, and all of it. Like, I, I do understand that. I think it will be okay. visiting teams, no problem. They're going to stay in Tempe on Mill Street, which is down the street from Arizona State University. Awesome spot. They got a great new hotel there. They don't care. They're there for one or two games. It's like a kind of neat, cool one-off. It's like an outdoor game or whatever. Right. Craft hockey yeah. game. They don't have to do it every day. And the players are like, okay, you know what? It's more convenient for our lifestyles. We can drive. It's closer. And for the first 20 or 30 games, it probably will be okay as well because it will be sold out. You're like, ah, it's buzzing. We can go down to the Tempe park. But after, this can be like a four-year thing. Like year two, you're yeah. like, okay, you know what? 
I'd like to play in front of 7,000 people or maybe 10,000 people. How does that sound? So, you know, I understand there, there are no good solutions or else they wouldn't be there. Road teams probably won't have a problem with it, but eventually it will grow stale for the home team. Hmm. What happens if they don't sell it out? I mean, they go buck a beer night and give to college kids. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, the idea is like they should be able to generate about the same amount of revenue because if there's 8,000 paid or papered attendances people in Glendale and the tickets are whatever, 30 bucks, you can like, you know, you half that, but you make the work tickets worth 60 bucks. It's the same revenue of tickets. I guess their thought is, well, if we can get 5,000 people and everyone pays 100 bucks a ticket, we can upsell it and get a, like, a, you know, our core fans charge a bit more maybe our revenues won't be hit i'm sure that was the sales pitch to the players association we have to sign off on this um mm. but you know i like 40 and, and it's five thousand yeah. people i think with hockey it's gonna be like 46 like it's mike like bowling green held 5200 like you know london <laughs> knights they hold like ten thousand. like it's, it's a yeah it's just, amazing just shy so, 10 like yeah right like yeah. It, it, it would be like playing in london without the upper bowl in the nhl it's just not normal yeah, that's weird. <laughs> It'll be interesting to watch. I, I I don't know what the answer is, but they've got to figure it out. Um, before I we get to the sense, quickly. Let me tell uh, you, hang on, though. I, I, I want to call a yeah. game there. Like, like, send me down to Tempe. I want to go on Mill Street. Like, sign me up. Like, I am all for it as a, as a broadcaster or yeah, even as a fan, it, but. I feel like for a media guy, it's perfect, right? Like whether you're the play-by-play guy up top or even Johnny, even you, you don't even need to be between the benches. You'll have such a great vantage no. point right there. Be beautiful. Be, well, listen, yeah, Matthew, yeah. You're, you're, you, listen, you know what it's like to be a color guy. You're a burdening color guy. You do everything now, apparently. Yeah, Amazing junior, this guy. junior. They're not, it's not very sexy when you're in Hamilton. No offense to Hamilton natives, of course. Anyway, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> I made a reference about like traveling around and whether you go to famous cities. I'm like, it doesn't matter. It's like, you could like wherever you are, you could be in Paris. You might as well be in Sudbury. They all feel the same. True. Yeah. No disrespect <laughs> to people from Sudbury. I was like, no, 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 no I you could be in Scarborough. I'm from Scarborough. What am I going to say? Yeah. 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 It's, Good point. Yeah. It's and especially when you're on the road night in night out, it's rink hotel and a Starbucks exactly. or a restaurant around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, before we get to uh, the, all the news with the Senators. Uh, one of our sponsors, BEI, Bonisher Excavating Inc. Uh, spring just around the corner. That means time to start landscaping. Uh, get your landscaping needs from them. Stone, aggregate, uh, thinking of redoing the driveway. Bonisher Excavating here to help. Competitive pricing on all your landscape needs. 613-432-1120. Or go to BonisherExcavating.com, helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. Uh, okay, here we go with some sense talk because uh, you're dialed in. Mike Johnson, as is our good man, Mark Mathot. Uh, Sanderson signs his deal he's coming to ottawa we don't know when or if he's going to play by the end of the year what should jake sanderson be doing should he end up starting in the ahl or is he just going to is it just what he should be is in the nhl and around everybody else yep like i i don't even know exactly what's going on with his health so obviously you're gonna wait for him to you're not gonna put him in a spot where he's like his groin right. sore his elbow like get him healthy but he's not going to play in the American League. I'm sorry. If he plays in the American League, then something's gone wrong. For all the hype about this kid and as talented as he is, like, there's yeah. no reason. And, like, you know, I never played in the minors. So, like, I came out of college. I was two years older than Jake is now. But, like, I stepped in the NHL and I played. And, like, I was, I guess, good enough to stay there. He is way better than I will ever be. So, and the Sens are not good on defense. So, 
No, absolutely. Like, so once he's once he's healthy in the lineup, force feed him 23 minutes. I want him on the power play. I don't care who he plays with any of those veteran right-handed guys, but I don't care. Like, let's see what he has. And whether he sinks or swims, however it goes, it doesn't even matter this year. That's the beauty of this year. He can be minus 20 in 15 games. It does not matter. Whatever he experiences this year, on the ice, off the ice, in the room, around the rink, it's only going to make him better next fall. And that's what this mm. next month is all about. Next fall. So, Matt, I don't know what you think, but I'm like, get him healthy and get him in and play him a ton. Totally agree. I totally agree. I've been saying this since day one, too. And the only, the only part of me that disagrees with it... To, is just the confidence issue, but but you're I don't see it going bad. I mean, the, with with the praise he's been getting, the type of player he is, people are even talking about his ability away from the puck. Like I'm not going to pretend like I've been sitting at home watching Jake Sanderson mm -hmm. play all year. So I have, I mean, I watched a couple clips, some highlights. I get a good sense of where he's at, but it's hard. Like I, I never played college either, so it's hard to kind of picture what he'll look like at the NHL level with men and and whatnot. But it sounds like he's a special player. And I'm with you. I think if you have an opportunity to insert him now, like you look at the lineup, I mean, it's pretty easy to insert him, right? Like I don't see that being an issue. My only thing was the confidence thing, but mm. uh, you, you can gauge that over the course of a few games and see where he's at. And you can always protect him a little and put him with a really good complimentary player. But I, I'm with you, Johnny. Like I, I want to, I say this to Mendez on the last show. I'd like to argue with you on that point, but I mean, I think we're on the same page. Yeah. And like, he's good enough that confidence, like, he carries himself, and you'll see when he gets there. Like, he plays yeah. with a confidence that, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm good. And so, yeah, like, he might get scored on. He might get knocked over. Like, it's not going to be a thing. And it's only, like, by the time he gets here and gets healthy, it's only going to be 10 games. Like, how Agreed. much damage can be done? And I know yeah. just personally, like, like, just knowing the guys, knowing the trainers, where to go in the city, how to walk into the dressing room and feel like Huge. you belong there as opposed to tip. It is so big because – he has yep. to play a big role next year. It's not even an option. Yep. If like he has to be a good player, so if you can kind of lay the groundwork, and it, it, like results on the ice are good, but it's almost almost secondary to just becoming familiar with the group. And it, it like yep. as as great of an athlete as you are, and his dad's in NHL and all the rest of it. Like there's still that human element. Like it's the first day of school, and I'm the new kid, and I don't know anyone, and that's uncomfortable for just about anybody in the world. So I think. Getting that out of the way, yeah. So I'm excited to watch him. I just I want him to get healthy and then see what he can do. Get him – I mean, I don't know if Shabbat's going to be back. But, you know, you line up Shabbat, and then you put Sanderson after him, and then you figure out, I guess, Holden on the third pair or whatever it might be. Like, give me something to work with. Like, what are we looking at next year? Because we've heard about the stinking top four defense for two years. <laughs> and, like, maybe it's, it's, it's kind of rounding into form. We'll see. But we got to see it yeah. in action. Yeah, and, and, and to that point – I mean, and I guess this is a question, and I don't want to put you on the spot because I know you cover just about every other friggin' team in the league, so to get into specifics <laughs> can be challenging, but if, if Craig or Alex can pull that board back up, Johnny, what would you do if you have Sanderson in that top four next season? I guess so there it is right mm -hmm. there. Do you feel like the team needs to go after another guy or, or of any sorts? Like, I'm not going to say they need another stay-at-home guy or an offensive guy. Do you see them feeling the pressure to pick up another player this summer? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two. I think there's two pieces they have to get. And I, you know, I think Hamnick's actually been pretty good. Give him credit. He's yeah. coming. He's he's kind of played the way I that agree. you hope that he would play, and like steady Eddie and pretty solid. And he brings everything he has into every battle. But I mean, if you could get a better top four defenseman, 
And I, I know it's hard financially because now they have Zub and Hamannick and Zaitsev. Those guys make what, 11, 11, 10 million dollars between them. So like, it's yeah. going to be hard to knock one of those guys out of the lineup. But like, ideally, if you had another player better in the top four to play on the right side to help Jake Sanderson along, I think that is a need because I know Sanderson and Hamannick, Henderson and Zaitsev. Like, is that the second pair of a playoff team, which is what Ottawa really wants to be next year? Yeah. I wonder about that. And then, of course, you guys have it right there. I mean, second spot, left wing. Like, and I don't know if it's a left winger and Brown plays on the right side because Brown's on like a 60 point pace this year, very quietly. Yes, doesn't he doesn't score is. as much, but like, does a lot of things. <laughs> Piles up 55, 60 points. Like, that's a second yeah. liner. Or is it Formington, second line, Brown, third line, and then kind of see what, you know, you need another top six winger. You need a top six winger um, desperately. And I'll like, if you can go get Kevin Fiala out of Minnesota because they can't afford him, yes, go do that. <laughs> Something like that. But like, not just, not just, you know, a guy who's Matthew Joseph, good NHL player, could play in the third line. He, like, you need someone established. Those are two very clear spots Agreed. of need. And I think the organization knows this. I'm not saying anything they don't already recognize. They're scouring. Oh, yeah. And I'm not talking college free agents. It's got to be someone who you know can be a difference maker in your top six. Yeah. Okay. And so, okay. So just really quickly, my last question, because I'm, I'm an idiot when it comes to the numbers and the salary cap and internal budgets. Because you mentioned on defense with Zaitsev and Delzato. What was the other contract they're probably trying to get rid of? I don't know what they're going to do with Hamannick, I'm assuming. Or, oh. No, but so, so you've got that much tied up into like a four, five, six type player on the back end. What, what are the team's options? Like, they're not – because I, I can't imagine Ottawa's just going to buy them out. So, what do they do? I mean, you, I mean, you know, Michael Delzato is in the minors, so he makes a million and a half or whatever it is. So, you can sink a million yeah. one in the minors, and the cap hit is only 400000 The cap hit's not important next year anyways. Ottawa's not going to be a cap right. team next year, right? Like, I don't think so. No, of course not. Um, so, they no. have a little bit of no time. Chance. I mean, it, it's actual dollars matter. Like, like they don't want to pay a guy a million and a half dollars to play in the minors. Exactly. Right? They don't want to pay – a guy four and a half million dollars if you're Zaitsev and not be in the lineup. Like that's not how Ottawa operates. Like they don't have that kind of financial heft to just kind of, like, well, that's okay. Park it, whatever. If our team's better because of it, like that's not how they work. So they don't right. have a lot of options. Like you can buy out Colin white because he's at the age that if you're 26 and under it's one third of your contract. If you're over 26, yep. it is two thirds of your contract. And this summer is the year he he crosses that threshold. So if they're going to buy him out, it's got to be this summer because it's going to cost them a lot less. Um, I don't know what their options are on back end. Math. I mean, Fair enough. trade with a sweetener, you know, offer up a second, third round pick, take them off our hands. Arizona needs to get to the salary cap floor. So they might be willing to take on a salary to try to get up there. I mean, there are ways to manipulate it, but it's, it's not going to be easy. And it would be easier just to go with the three guys that are there. Zub, Zaitsev, Hamannick. There's your right side. Shabbat, Sanderson, Holden, there's your left side. And then the other guys all just mix around and go to the minors or whatever happens to them. But yeah, that's probably not a, that's probably not a playoff caliber defense. So, so then, so then is it safe to say that the team's not necessarily under the gun then next year and they just stick with those three guys and see the progress of all the younger players, or are they just completely desperate to make the postseason? It's, it's a tough I mean, one, that's I their decision. I, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think, so I guess I would say this, Matt. They are desperate to make progress because this year was supposed to be progress, That's right? Fair. This year, yeah. this time of the year, they were supposed to be in ninth or tenth place and kind of pecking away at the maybe the outskirts of the playoffs, and it wasn't that. Yeah. They've been done for three months. 
That is what has mm -hmm. to change. They can't be last place at December and have another four months of garbage time. It cannot happen. So yeah. um, that matters. And that matters for the guys on the ice, for the development, for the future. It matters financially because I think like Saturday night was awesome in Ottawa. Great crowd, yeah. energy was like money coming into the tills. Like that, they need that. They need that. So um, the salary cap, they don't have to make any changes. They can go with as is, as you put up on that board there. But I think hockey-wise, maybe business-wise, they would be inclined to want to tweak when they can. Fair enough. And I want to get to uh, salaries in a sec. And that kind of – I'll start with Josh Norris, and then I'll circle back to how do they pay for all these people. Is Josh Norris's contract, whatever it is, um, would I think is going to be somewhat massive. Like Nick Suzuki's the guy that always makes me want to compare him to him. And I don't even know if that's fair because mm -hmm. Josh Norris may score 30 goals this year. 7.8 million. So, and Johnny, where does defense. Josh Norris – where does Josh Norris fit? Like, what are they going to have to pay for Josh Norris? So if you're Josh Norris right now, you want to know what you want to know what your life is like? Okay, so it's not a big stretch here. So, and, and your board right there is like, he's not as good as Pedersen was prior to Pedersen's contract. It's, it's, he's not, Pedersen, I understand the dollar amount, but a three-year yep. term is an entirely different thing than, than a seven or eight-year term. If I'm Josh Norris. Right, and the only reason I put him I walk there, in and say, sorry, is... Yeah, is that he's a thirty-goal scorer from that draft. He's the only other guy from that draft to score thirty goals. Okay, he, he's Pedersen's best is probably better than Josh Norris's best. Like, I think Pedersen is, and the term just yep. skews everything. It's not. It's apples to oranges. If I'm Josh Norris, I walk and say, okay, Nick Suzuki, look at his numbers. Look at my numbers. They're pretty similar points-wise. I'm a much better goal scorer. I deserve more money than him. Ottawa will say, Josh. Uh, Nick Suzuki was really good in a playoff run of the final. He deserves more than you. Okay, well, we can kind of leave that a watch. Josh Norris could also make an argument. He's really good defensively. Uh, like he's, he's actually much better than I anticipated defensively. Um, so Suzuki is a very good and close comparable. The only difference might be mm. that Suzuki is going to be the face of the franchise. They're going to build around him. And Josh is going to be one of the pieces yeah. franchise. He's not the face. But that doesn't matter with negotiations as far as like numbers but there is something intangible there. So you can draw a very close comparable to Suzuki. And quite frankly, the easiest one to draw is to Brady. Like he's, like he's produced better than Brady. He scores mm -hmm. better than Brady. He is a significantly better defensive player than Brady. He plays a more important position than Brady. Now, what does he not do? The kind of emotional, physicality, leadership. Right. I, I think there's also something... Um, uh, important about Brady committing to Ottawa and staying there long term. So, like, there is, you know, there is that. But I think the, you could make a pretty easy case that he deserves more than Brady. And Brady hits more, and I understand he's tougher and all those things, and he he's the captain, and he, but like, you know, he deserves every bit. Of, like, Brady, as much as I love Brady Kachuk, he's not a very good defensive player. He's not. Josh is. That's agreed. Is much better than Brady Kachuk is. So, yeah. So if, if you want eight years. I just lost your mic, and you just said, yeah. I cut out. I, you cut right out at the money. Oh at no! The, at the money right, part. Right at the number. There he is. Oh, no. Okay. So wait, what was what was the term uh, in I, dollars that you think is fair? I, if you want, if you want a contract, if you're Josh Norris, eight years, sixty million dollars, seven and a half a year. That's where that's where you go. That's what he deserves. Yeah. Okay. And, that, and like that's and that's not pushing it. That's like yeah. That's comfortably 
That seems fair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But that's 20.5 million roughly on your first line. Plus you've got Tim Stutzla mm-hmm. to sign. You've got Alex Formanton. You've uh, Thomas Shabbat's locked up for 8 million. Uh, you're you're going to have to resign Zub here shortly. Like they can't afford everybody. So who's, who's leaving? So when you say they can't afford someone, does that mean under the $83 million cap or because they just don't have the money to pay everyone? They don't want to go to the cap. Well, like, I think you can... Ottawa has the ladder. Can, Ottawa it's has the ladder. budget. Right. If there's an internal budget that's 75, well, or 70 or 60, that's different. You know, I don't know what that is. I, I deal with no. 83. That's how I run my teams. I go to the cap. That's how I work <laughs> it. And yes, so like the problem, so what you need to do is like any good team, the high-end guys are going to make the money. You try to get good value contracts on them. I think Batherson's a perfect example. They got on him early. Yep. That contract's going to be great. Zub is a fine defenseman. He's not going to make more than $5 million, right? No. Like, you know, he, you know, he just doesn't put up the points no. that warrant that. So he's going to get 4.6 or a Mathot 4.7, like a nice juicy Mathot-like contract. That's what he aspires okay. to get. That's what we all aspire to get. That's what he's going to get. But what, what you, you can't have any dead money, so they'll Del Zottos and guys. You can't have guys out of your lineup making $2 million. Um, and you can't have, like, who's leaving? Chris Tierney's gone. Colin White might be gone, right? There goes there goes $8.25 sure. million. Good point. Right? You replace them with Pinto, who makes a million on an entry-level deal. You make, you know, you're probably going to add another top six guy. going to cost you some money. I, I'm not really worried about it. I don't love $5 million on the, on the third pair, pair either. Like, I don't. You know, those are the nines that you can't have that much money. You don't need a $9 million third line, not unless they're scoring like Tampa's did. So, like, the top-end guys aren't the issue. Like, it's a slight overpay for the lower-end guys. To me, if I'm running a team, that's where you got to look to. And Tierney, I don't think we'll be back. I think he's a UFA. Uh, Colin White, question mark. They probably would prefer him not to be back. That's how you clear out your money. Hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, goaltending, they still got uh, 11 – 11 million somewhere like that's a lot of money they've got tied up on the back end as well plus Gustafson is on a one-way deal or yeah he's on a one-way deal I don't know if he goes ends up in the minors if he gets clears waivers like there's a lot of question marks I just don't think as an internal budget team they can continue to afford all these players and I know you just pointed out names but I just think Tim Stutz is going to ask for a lot of money and Jake Sanderson at one point in a couple of years I know it's an RFA deal still asks for a lot of money like there's it just seems there's so many high-end guys they're not gonna be able to keep them all. Okay, so here you go. You want you like you want you, if that's the case, Josh, we love you. Can't go long term with you, so you get a you get a bridge deal for two years, and it's eleven million dollars. There you go. You just shave you just save yourself two and a half million dollars a year off a bridge deal. Like you know you 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 you, yep. you string it out longer because the cap is going up a million dollars next year. We'll go up more after that. The cap will start going up. Ideally, the team gets better, fans come in, revenues go up. You're more comfortable paying right to the cap. You know, I love Connor. I, I think Connor Brown is a tremendous player. Like, I don't want to lose Connor Brown yes. off my team at all, at all. They they made a tough decision. I will give him credit. Like, I think not giving Nick Paul four years and twelve or thirteen million dollars is probably the right decision. Like, I, I really do believe that. You got to find a guy who can do what he does for a million dollars or a million and a half dollars. I'd like Connor Brown to anchor my second or third line. I, you know, I, I'd like that stability. So. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's. Uh, I, I don't want to get rid of him. That's the issue. Uh, he, he leads your uh, usually all forwards in ice time every year. So uh, I think mm-hmm. he's. And you can tell me. I think he's completely 
I'll say underrated. And I know he can score 20 goals a season. He just doesn't seem to get the love as a top six player. He's not, he doesn't have sexy skills. The brain's not sexy, right? Like people want right. big guys, big shots, big hits. And he just like does right things. Like, oh, look at his good positioning. I like that guy. I want to play yeah. like that. Like, nobody cares about, you know, look at his active stick. Isn't that nice? Like nobody cares about good that. Point. But coaches care. Yeah. The scoreboard cares and your teammates care. And that probably matters more. Well uh, fair enough. What would you do with Matt Murray, by the way? What can you do? I mean, this is where, and, and that, that is far from ideal, right? Like most good teams have $7 million allocated to goaltenders, six or seven, like a $6 million starter and a million dollar backup, seven, like, you know, they don't have 11 and they don't have 11 on questionable goaltending, right? The Murray thing is a real, a real situation for Ottawa. It's out of their hands because I don't think they want to buy him out because it's just going to cost so much money. They just kind of have to hope he gets healthy, stays healthy and plays well. And then you have this duo and it's maybe slightly overpriced, but what are you going to do? Or, and I, I, I don't wish this on anyone, but if, you know, financially, if Matt Murray was not able to play, that might help them financially. I don't think that's going to be the case, though, because whatever's ailing him is not going to stop him from playing next fall. So that that mm -hmm. is a kicker, absolutely, Wally, and there mm -hmm. is no easy solution. I don't have a good solution for that one. You can trade Forsberg again, I guess, if he gets healthy <laughs> and gets great. You can trade Forsberg on that yep. contract, but you're rolling the dice. And that's what I've said. Like, Forsberg's numbers are really good. His contract, I don't think, is really out of control high. I think if you are a mm -hmm. building team, you can bring that contract in for sure. Um. Yeah. Analytics is one of those things I want to ask you about, and that is you are a very progressive guy. You look at the numbers. You break it down probably better than most I've seen of analysts. What analytics numbers do you use and what don't mean anything to you? Because you played the game, so you can understand it from both sides of how it all breaks down. Well, there is no magical number, right? Like It's like a, it's a mosaic of a lot of different pieces of information, right? It's like, you know, I look at yeah. all the numbers. I watch all the games, you know, I, I put it all together in this kind of cauldron and I come up with whatever I come up with. But when I look at the numbers without going too deep into the weeds, which we could get into for hours here and Matt would go fully asleep, his back would feel great. <laughs> Correct. But um, <laughs> like, you know, I look at, I look at shot share, like that Corsi four number that has generally been an indicative of future success. So the teams that control 54, 55% of those shots, those are the best teams in the league. When you're down around 45, that's a problem a five on five play. So I look at that one cause it's a good predictor of future success. Um, I look at expected goals share cause it does smooth out for bad goaltending or a team like Ottawa is like, well, our expected goal, our goals are terrible, but like, what are we doing expected wise? Same thing with the Rangers. They have a good number there in their actual goals differential, but what about their expected goals? Cause their goal is so good. So that, you know, I like expected goals for expected goals against and the, and the, and the percentage wise. Again, you look at the top teams their expected goals. If they get them 54, 55, best teams in the league. You get 45, 46. Those are the teams of the bottom league. I look at those ones for sure um, as a kind of a, a baseline before I start digging a little deeper um, and, and kind of evaluating teams. But those ones kind of give me a pretty good idea who's pretty good. So what, I guess, analytics don't measure up for you? Because the one thing about, about um, the game is it's fluid, mm -hmm. right? It's always moving. Like there's so many p pieces that it's just not easy as cut and dry, like a baseball type statistic or NFL to me anyway. 
Yeah. So I've always trying to best understand good defensive players. So if you don't score, like how do I evaluate that Mark Mathot's a good defensive player? How do I evaluate that Connor Brown's a good defensive player? Like what is it about, like what numbers? So then you, you got to go deeper. Like, okay, you can talk about some of the expected goals against when they're on the ice or actual goals against yeah. when they're on the ice. Does that, is that lower than the rest of their team? And a lot of that has to, again, become um, relative to their teammates, right? Because they're playing, you know, uh, a third liner on Colorado is going to have a better expected goal number than the first liner on Ottawa. But that's because he plays for a much better team. So you, you got to smooth out some of these, these, these reasons. But I always like trying to identify and evaluate quality defense and how that impacts yourself, your line mates, and the game. That is tricky to do because it is so fluid. And, you know, I could do my job perfectly as a winger. God, I could do absolutely nothing wrong. And whatever happens down on my own end is almost unrelated to what I've got going on hanging around the slot. So um, I, I find trying to dig into those numbers, you have to dig deep. You have to watch. You have to know um, yeah. to add more bits of information there because it's it's tricky it's hard uh, i've got some other outside the box questions or just outside the ottawa senators that's uh leon dry the other day had uh four points hat trick and was minus four <laughs> uh, which was the first time since someone's done that since 1983 and john anderson as a player uh how tough is that actually to do it feels like it's impossible well i actually you know what no because he got all his points in the power play, right? He got three, all his goals. He got three of his four goals in the power play. So I guess you're on for four goals against, five goals against. It's hard to do, but it's not impossible. I remember one time, I think New Year's Day, year 2000, we had a good night. The Sabres did not. They beat us 8-1. I think Brian Berard was minus six. Like, it can happen. It can happen. That's not that uh, outrageous. But usually you don't score goals. Like, once you start scoring, you're into the game, which means you play better defense five on five. What's more impressive? Nine goals, even strength by Calgary. You know how hard that is in the NHL today? Nine Very even impressive. strength goals. That's impossible. More impressive than dry settle. And a little footnote, John Anderson has a burger joint. John Anderson Burgers, near where I grew up. Top shelf Scarborough burger <laughs> joint, John Anderson. From nice. the John Anderson. I've heard that, yeah. I've never been there, but I have heard that it's a very good joint to go to. Um, so while we're talking about goals, uh, if I looked this up today. Since 1995-96, this season, I think it is, is the highest goals per game in the National Hockey League. There's only been a three, four, four seasons of over three, and they all seem now to be of late. What is changing with the National Hockey League that's allowing the goals to come up? And I will point out, last night, 53 goals scored in eight games, which is averaging over six goals per game. Um, are we seeing um, something the Detroit Red Wings or what? <laughs> <laughs> Detroit gives up like seven a night right now. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. I think I was looking at the numbers earlier. Detroit has the highest goals against since the lockout. Like no team has ever, like I think in the last 25 years, I think it's only Atlanta as bad as they were that had higher goals against. So um, what, what's going on? Skill development. I think there's no question that yeah. everybody is more talented. Like the players are better. And like skills coaches are teaching them how to shoot and how to handle and how to create opportunities that we were left to try to figure out by ourselves and the better players figured it out better than the less good players. But now everyone's got it. Every coach, every team has their own coaches. Every guy has their own summer guy. So the players are generally better. I think there's no doubt like sticks matter. Like the technology has changed the way hockey is played. The way guys can shoot the puck now, doesn't matter how 
Like I could give Austin Matthews my old silver aluminum wood insert and he would not be able to shoot the same. Like he just couldn't do it. So, um, you know, I think technology matters. I think um, as the game has gotten younger, it has gotten more offensive because all the young guys remember when they were in junior and college and Europe. And even if they're on the fourth line, they're like, I was a scorer a year ago. Like I, I, my mind is still tracking to score, not tracking to not give up goals. And generally speaking, mm -hmm. the younger you are, you might be a better skater, faster, all the rest of it. You're less experienced at keeping pucks out of the net. There's a reason why the world juniors are amazing because young people have make mistakes. They get, they get caught up in games and make mistakes. There's a little bit of that trickling into the NHL as the league has skewed younger. And I wonder, 32 teams, do we have goaltending depth through 32 teams? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the, maybe the backups, maybe goalies 56 to whatever, 64, maybe not quite as strong. I put all that in yeah, and we get some goals, which we love. That's a good point, Johnny. And I think because I'm not – I'm 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 not far removed from playing. I can tell you all your points are bang on. The another thing that I would add, my last two years in Dallas, especially even even maybe in 2017 with the Sens, but particularly in 2018, 2019, I still remember being at net front in all those battles that I was so used to doing throughout my career. And all of a sudden it, it's like a switch went off in 2018 after the run with the Sens. I'm in Dallas. I wasn't allowed to touch anybody anymore at net front. Like box outs. Sure stick work, cross checks at net front, all that shit wasn't allowed to do it. I was getting yelled at by every official every single time I was in front of my own net. So I feel like players now, they just have a little bit more time and space. They're not as nervous stepping foot around there. And of course, as you nailed it, technology, skill set, all these players are so good now that are coming into the league. It's not even funny. Yeah. And, and too, I mean, I can, I can only hear, I can hear the refs in my ear, Matt. That's enough. Watch your stick. That's enough, man. Oh, yeah. Like, I think the whole game, they'd be, they be on you the whole game. And I think because of that, it's not just that guys are more comfortable. That is part of it. But I think the defense now, like, well, I can't do that. So how do I defend? So now so many defensemen, like, just front guys and basically try to, like, stop pucks from ever getting there. Because they can't yep. figure out how to, like, tie up, box out, cross-check, move them out of the way under the rules. So they just yep. end up, you know blocking shots, fronting, and then you see right. once the puck gets in behind them, lots of opportunities there. Yeah. It's just it's a it different way a to rule. do it. It was always a rule, but but they just decided to really start enforcing it. Like like I was getting calls now all of a sudden. Why I went from getting minimal amounts of PIMS to like, holy shit, I'm in the box again. You know, so and then eventually I just said, okay, I'm, I can't touch them. So I'm just going to, like, as you mentioned, you nailed it again. I had to get in front of shots. And then all of a sudden there's rebounds behind yeah. you and they're scoring a lot of goals. Right. So, yeah, yeah. You, you lose your inside position and then you're done and then you're done. So yeah. it's a, yeah. Well, again, like I, I, I was a good, I, I thought I was a good defensive player as a winger, but like I didn't have to play down around the front of the net. I'm like, I don't mind. Like I like the battle. I don't like when defensemen just do this. I agree you know? with you because like, yes, because forwards can't really get away with that same pushback. Like no. if I turn around and cross check you in the back and knock you over, I most likely will get a penalty as a, so I don't mind the dig and the shove and the, the grapple. Yeah, the pushing. But I don't love yeah. just the reef. That, that's the one that I don't mind them calling more of. Agreed. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, I want to fight out one more thing, and that is you're going to find this funny. What's in a number? Jake Sanderson's going to wear number 85. I meant to bring this up earlier, and I totally forgot about it. 
are you guys okay with a player wearing number 85? It just seems bizarre. Well, you can pick what you want. It's an odd number for me. Big Matthew Perot fan. Huge. I mean, why wouldn't you be? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I I don't know why. I don't know why. Um, I will say this. I could care less. As a player against them, with them, you like it? I don't care. It's what you're... Your, your cousin's birthday, it's uh, you like Ocho Cinco. I don't care why you want 85. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. I don't think you're cocky because you didn't take three. Like a stay-at-home defense. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't care if that you think you're an offensive player or not. None of it matters. I don't care if you're Lula Morello and Josh Hosang wants 66. 99. Don't wear 99. Oh, That's it. Johnny, 66 that, should be that, untouchable. 66 is untouchable. Come on. Mario? I'm with you, but if you want to take it on, you know, I hear you. That That's maybe the only kind of gray area other one. Sure. But, like, if you want to wear 97, what if you want to wear 87? Can no one wear yeah. eight? Eight's going to be the greatest goal scorer in the history of a game. Like, I don't Good think, point. personally, it just doesn't what? bother me. Like, I, I don't think it's disrespectful. It's respectful. I like that guy. I want to play like him. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you can wear nine... If you're allowed to wear a nine, I think 66 should be available. That's fair. Right? Go- that's fair. So that's all. Um, okay, wait. All of before it. we By let way, him go, wait, before we let him go, I had a really important question to ask as well. Um, the Will Smith, Chris Rock incident, Johnny, was that <laughs> real or staged? I, that was real. I'm sorry. I, I, that was real. I, yeah, I went, this, I went full Zapruder film on it. And now it wasn't a punch. <laughs> it was a slap. Okay. And he caught just the bottom two fingers. Like he missed with about a, a half his yeah. finger. So not full impact. And I saw one that said it was fixed because Chris Rock was like leaning forward. Yeah, he was leaning teeth. forward. He was, he was laughing. He was laughing. That was a smile. That wasn't a clenched teeth. He was like, what are you going to hit me? I'm on the Oscars. Like, what are you, what are you possibly going to touch me here? Like, that's what he was. Right. It's like me when I have a cage on and my thought tells me I want to kill him. I'll stick my like, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do? Because you can't do anything. And then he takes my yeah, mask off true. and punches me. And I'm like, oh, that's what you're going to do. 100% so, real. I only wonder right. what the fallout is for Will Smith. Like, he's so he's so lovable. And he's like, like I a know. complete asshole. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't care. Like, yeah. I'm all for sticking up for your spouse. And I'm joking poor taste. You don't get to go and hit somebody on national television. Like that is never okay. This is not hockey. Yeah. This is not. Yep. This is not part of the culture of the Oscars. <laughs> you don't get to wail off and then and then if you heard I me agree. keep my wife's name out your effing mouth. Like yeah, that, that was either that it's the greatest it acting real. of all time. That was yeah. like passion. Like like yeah. just two guys not happy with each other. You know, like that kind of attitude. So I'm saying that was real. Crazy, but, but real. You know, and I will say this because I know Wally's probably losing his mind right now that we're talking about this. I am proud, like to to see Chris Rock absorb that hit in front of millions of people that are watching, knowing that, and then just carrying on afterwards like nothing happened. I've got way more respect and newfound respect now for Chris Rock. Strong chin, strong chin is what you're saying. Although <laughs> I will, you could see, so I, I watched it many, many times. And so we, first of all, he was, he was clearly rattled. Like he had a hard time kind of getting back on track for 20 seconds. Sure. And yeah. you could see his comedian mind. Do I want to go back at him and like, just carve him to shreds? Mm-hmm. Like, cause he, he almost said, I could go a lot of ways with this. Like he was thinking like, do, do you want me to go 
make jokes about you and your like all of it because there's a lot there i guess and he oh, just God, like yeah <laughs> gonna back off and let this one settle but that was Fair i don't enough. know like have you guys seen go down the youtube rabbit hole and like google youtube uh like slapping contests have you seen those where people chop oh, yeah. up their hands and just bam <laughs> yes. and like people get knocked right out well, from a slap like it's no joke yeah, and, and I think that's where Chris Rock is a little fortunate because people tend to forget, like, like you saw you saw Will Smith throw that. I mean, he trained to portray Muhammad Ali. Like, he knows how to throw a punch, and he's pretty efficient, Big and he's you know, very athletic. Yeah. I'm just shocked. I'm just shocked he didn't knock him out. I'll leave it at that. Two fingers. If he got full flush, yeah. if he went flush, it could have been trouble. Agreed. Okay, we'll leave it what at that. Wally? <laughs> I I I'm just disappointed the whole thing happened, to be honest with you. I, I thought the That's joke fair. was obviously in poor taste, and then I thought the Okay, but if that offended you, and I know she's got, she's got alopecia, I believe, right? So I want to be clear. Yes. Like, yep. I'm with you guys. Yep. But did you guys see the Ricky Gervais monologue at the Golden Globes years back? It was way more <laughs> aggressive. And no one way went up on top. stage but, and but knocked him out. So. But it's a different time. But it's a different time. And and so that's all. Okay. Like, Right yeah. now we're in a right. a mess of a situation it feels like in the world, and so I, that's I would just issue. say this: I, Will Will Smith has been a comedian like in his entire forty year career. Yes. Has he never carved somebody? Like I'm sure you could. Like I'm not going to spend the time, but I'm sure there was a moment where he was on a roast saying, you know, whatever. Mark Mathot, you're this. Mike, you're this. Like I'm sure he said something, maybe not about someone's spouse, but whatever. Mama joke. He whatever. Roasted it might Carlton. Be, but he roasted Carlton every. Friggin' episode of Fresh Prince of Bel Air for being <laughs> short. <laughs> anyway, it's a whatever. staple of the show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Perfect. Okay, I'm done. All right. Uh, and with that, MJ, I guess it's we'll we'll say goodbye. Uh, we appreciate your stopping by, and always I will catch you on uh, TSN on everything you do because you're doing everything. Plus, you're on uh, TSN 1200 in the mornings. Uh, we appreciate your stopping by as always, my friend. All right, boys. Uh, always a fun time to hang out. Matt, feel better. Um, yeah, relax. <laughs> lie down. Take it easy. Thanks, MJ. All right, see ya. There goes Johnny. Uh, by the way, we should, uh, as I move on here with the Wally Mathod Show, brought to you by SportsInteraction.com, is uh, our guest for our 100th episode has uh, already been lined up. It is Josh Norris. And I can confirm we did talk about his contract, albeit briefly. So that is on Thursday. <laughs> awesome. What? Was that, was that, a, were you yeah, teaming no. up for a question there, Wally? That's great. No, no. that's, that's, no, no, that's no. I just wanted to point out that the timing, well, no, but the timing of that is terrific too. I mean, he's been unbelievable for this team this year. I mean, really all things considered one of the big time bright spots on this, in this group. So a uh, really good guest to have on. And he's always got, uh, he's always, he's just a positive guy. I find, right? Like I can't imagine him he's, having a bad day. Yeah, no, that's and that's the thing. So um, it'll be good to have him on. Uh, lost it, uh, Craig. I don't even know. Do we have the clip queued up of Josh Norris interview? Uh, I think that's an Alex question, but I think so. All right, let's play. It. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not yet. We're. I think we're oh, doing it at the end. Yeah. Damn it. We're at the Wait end of the show. We should have yeah, we're probably rehearsed this. this, I guess. I could talk about the Oscars a little more if you guys like. Just to kill no, some time. No, I, that's why I'm asking for the clip. Okay. Well, did you All watch right. Did you watch any of it last night, Wally? Uh, about four minutes. 
Yeah. Okay. I bought us enough time. Like, Roll the clip. You have one NHL fight in your career that I have found, anyway, uh, with Alex Romanov, and you like were angry and fed him. Um, was that the first time you've ever been in a hockey fight? Um, my no, I got my first fight was in Belleville. Uh, geez, it would have been like game fifty of fifty six at the end of the year. Um, but the one against Romanov was like, like the, the guy I fought in, in Belleville was, he was a lot smaller than me. So I didn't really count it. Uh, and then Romanov is like a big boy. So yeah. I don't know what got into me there. I think it was more so like he was running around the whole year and I felt like he never wanted to answer the bell. And um, it was just instinct. And I was like, we're going. And we just went and it was a good tilt. Did you surprise yourself with how you handled yourself in that one? 100% absolutely <laughs> did not think I had that in me so uh it's nice to know that I have a little bit in the toolbox for uh to defend yeah. myself so it was it was very good it's good and if you didn't see uh meth that's because meth couldn't get off the couch yesterday uh which is when we recorded the interview not good but uh, Wally you're the man for taking care of that business <laughs> Uh, I will yeah, continue no, to address my back. Hopefully get back to normal for the following episode. I, I'm coming over. I'm going to fix it. I think I can probably, I don't know, walk on it or something and fix it. Yeah, I don't want you anywhere near my back. Like, with all due respect. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what teammates do. They try to help out. Yeah, um, yeah. They were all at Bieber last night, by the way. The sense were, would you have gone to see Justin Bieber? Concert? So, I heard... And I, I have nothing against Justin Bieber. I love that he's Canadian. He's extremely successful. I feel the same way about The Weeknd or Drake. Like, I, I'm a, anybody mm. who's Canadian, I will support. I don't care what, what genre the music is in. I'm not a Bieber listener. Obviously, I'm a metal head, so I'm, I'm far end of the spectrum. But I heard the concert was a little – it wasn't great. I, didn't, I heard it wasn't a great performance. No. I had another friend of mine who went there, and he said it kind of sucked. So, I don't know. Oh. So you're not a believer, but no, well, no, I shouldn't say that. Cause I, I prefaced it by saying that I do support Justin Bieber and I love that he's a hockey fan and it's good for the game. I, I um, you know, I, I think more importantly, if you're on the team, I'm assuming they were all in a box. That's just good for chemistry. You know, get all, get all the yep. guys out together, do something normal, which I'm sure they haven't done that much of over the past two years. Right now, all of a sudden they're nope. in a public setting. Nope. They can smash some beers together or vodka sodas if you're staying light and uh, have a good time together. It's, it's always good for chemistry. So I, I'm happy the team did that. So what's the best of uh, team function of all the – so you got the rookie party, you got Halloween, Christmas, year-end, sure. and then rookie you get these party. type concerts. What's – yeah, by far? Yeah, because it's just the guys. There's no wives there. And, and that's – I love getting together with the wives. Don't get me wrong. That, that, that's fun too. <laughs> but when it's just concentrated with the boys – you're all just you're all just talking to each other. That's it. And my favorite part wasn't going out after like for me it was the dinner. You know, you're eating ridiculously good food. You're ordering whatever you want off the menu and you know the rookies are paying for it, but you're all sitting together at the table. Some guys are being idiots trying to shoe check each other. You're ordering good wine, you're telling jokes. I that that that's always that's the one thing that I miss most about playing. It's probably the rookie parties and getting on the road with the players.
have you ever been shoe checked? And can you explain what shoe checking is to people? That <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's so if you're in a large group and there's multiple tables, typically it's at least you need at least one large table where there's at least six, seven, eight guys, and it's typically a, a player will grab a knife or a fork, grab a chunk of butter or a sauce. Usually it's butter, and they go under the table and they'll they'll scrape it on top of someone's shoe without them knowing it, and then make crawling their way back to their seat while that person is distracted. Once the player gets back up into their chair, everyone grabs a fork and starts clinging up against their glass. And it's just a very embarrassing moment for the, the individual that got shoe checked. Some guys don't take it very well. The key to the no. shoe check is to act unfazed and just laugh it off. Just suck in your tears and laugh about it and you're gonna be just fine. But, but the odd person is visibly upset and that only sets them up for more shoe checks in the future. So, um, one, there's like some expensive pairs of shoes I've known have gotten ruined because of whatever yeah. the sauces they put on it. Uh, yeah. So that's when I find players not necessarily take well, it so well. But so if so Aaron if a, Ward, it, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say Aaron Ward uh, did it to one of the production staff on TSM, and it like they had to be separated in the restaurant. <laughs> it got it got very well, okay. Heated. Well, okay, but here's a here's an example of something like this. It's a foul if you go down there with like cocktail sauce or ketchup on your fork, <laughs> and you're getting some guy's sneakers where it just absorbs into the material and ruins the shoe. Then yeah. there's an argument there because to me that's ignorant. You just don't do that. Some guys would disagree with me and be like, "Oh, come on," but I mean, I look at the amount that that individual spent on their shoes, and I'm thinking like, "That's that's gutless." But but I, and I don't know yeah. what Wardo did. I can't comment on what Aaron did because I don't know the sauce he was using. But it's happened to me where um, someone I think used a ketchup when I was in the American League, and I really I didn't like that because it ruined my shoes. But I still had to suck it up and act unfazed because I didn't want to be a target again moving forward. Who was it? You know what, Chris? It 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 happened one night to Chris Neal. I mean, I've seen a million of them go down, um, but I do remember Chris Neal getting shoe checked. And I, I forget if it was Smitty, it could have been Carl. I forget the player that was doing it, but Neeler grabbed it like it was like a, a pitcher of water or something and poured it on him. You know, like he was pissed <laughs> and he may have even punched the guy. So you run the risk, right? Like it, it's that much funnier yeah. if you can get a guy like Neeler, but it runs, <laughs> it comes at a cost if you get caught, hey. right? And if you're willing to pay the price, you know? So who who's the next guy that's going to shoot check Chris Neal? Well, that's it, right? So if 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 you see the the end result of what happens when you shoot check Chris Neal, you're probably not very inclined to do it next. So I can understand Neeler's thought process in that I'm just going to kill this guy. But you know, yeah. it usually doesn't work out well that way because really you're just opening the door for more pranks. When guys know they can get a rise out of you, especially in hockey or other sports, because I can't speak about office environments and stuff. Because usually HR, I would assume, would get called. But in a locker room, <laughs> there's a lot of offside yeah. stuff that goes around. And I, I'm assuming it's still sort of prevalent. I'm sure it's been mitigated a little in today's landscape. But, yeah, it can get pretty rough. Okay, so which player, and you can go to Dallas or Columbus and Ottawa, was the easiest to get under their skin? Well, the, the, the easiest to get under their skin would be a guy like Neeler, obviously. But the yeah. best shoe checker would have been Zach Smith. Zach Smitty. Smitty and even Pager, I, I'm willing to say, uh, uh, Peugeot was, was pretty good at it too. But 
these guys were veterans still getting down on their knees. Like typically you get the rookie to do it. Like there could be a rookie sitting beside you and be like, Hey, <laughs> go shoot check. So-and-so. And he'll be like, no, I don't want to do it. Like, no, go shoot check. So-and-so. And he'll go and do it. Guy like, like Zach Smith was willing to do it all the time voluntarily because he enjoyed it. So that made him a bit of a psychopath, but I really respected that. You know, it showed that he had the courage to do it for the greater good. It got a laugh and a rise out of the group. I'm all for that. So what happens if you get caught trying to shoot check someone? Uh, well, typically if the guy's on the floor on his knees underneath the table where there's like a tablecloth, you're very vulnerable <laughs> there. So, I mean, if it's yeah. me, I'm going to grab any drink in front of me. It could be a glass of wine. I don't care. And it's, it's, I'm dumping it on you, but you know, everyone <laughs> handles it differently. I, typically guys aren't aware, like unless you're selling a guy out, you're making a rookie go underneath and then you're going to let him know, which I don't think really ever happens. You're, you're usually going to get away with it. Uh, tough. Tough. All right. Well, I'll be when Craig and I and you go out for dinner next time. I'll be making sure to. <laughs> so you can't do it I with own. three guys. It doesn't work. <laughs> You'll have to go get a random table or something, and then we all just start clanking uh, our, our glasses. We'll we'll invite all our viewers. Um. All right. Uh. That's it. So we're gonna uh, wrap this one up and we'll be back on Thursday. Uh. Thank you again to our sponsors, uh. Sports Interaction and BEI and Whitewater. See you next time, everybody. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 